0: everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm so glad you guys are here. Today is Tuesday, May 10th. As a lot of you know, I am in Williamstown, Kentucky right now for the homeschool experience at the Ark Encounter. And I'm excited to meet a bunch of you. Hope you guys will come out and see me this week. Today, I've got a guest on the show and a family friend. Scott LaPierre is here and we're going to talk about hope for the financially frustrated family. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I'm glad you guys have joined me today. So many things are happening in the news. As we talked about uh, the last couple of days, this incredible battle that's happening in the Supreme Court right now over Roe versus Wade. You guys have heard me say many times, I think the wind is at the back of the pro-life movement right now. Certainly science is not uh, on the side of the pro-abortion industry. All you gotta do is take a look at an ultrasound to see that this is a human being uh, inside of its mother. And so this is something I'm gonna encourage you guys to continue to pray about. Also, we are studying how to be discerning right now over at MomStrong International. We're looking at what it means to be discerning. What does it mean to be a Berean? How can we sift through all of the lies and the garbage, really, that's coming at at us through the culture and sift it through the lens of God's words? You guys can check that out at momstronginternational.com. I'm excited to have a friend on the show with me, and uh, he's also a pastor, but a guy who also knows something about raising a family. Scott LaPierre is the teaching pastor of Woodland Christian Church in Woodland, Washington. So not too far away from me. He's an author and a conference speaker, and he and his wife, Katie, homeschool their nine children. And I've invited him to come on today to talk about a book project that he's passionate about, uh, really going to help you guys see your finances the way God sees them. Scott, my friend, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks Heidi, thanks a lot for having me on here with you and all your listeners
0: You're welcome, I'm glad to have you on So you've kind of, you know, uh, you've really opened yourself up to a lot of uh, This is going to be scrutiny now, right? So if you want to be scrutinized (laughs) about parenting, you know, uh, write a book about parenting You want to be scrutinized about homeschooling Marriage Marriage, oh my goodness Uh, Yeah, I wrote my first book on marriage in 2017 And uh, I'm never going to write another one (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think someone said, if you never want to be criticized, just don't ever say anything. Yeah,
0: that's right. No, it's true. But you're talking about a really important issue in talking about finances because really we have a financially illiterate generation right now (laughs) who we've decided that uh, socialism is a good idea, right? So since Uh, I can't take care of myself, that's okay. The government will take care of us. But really God lays out the principles for financial success in his word. And so uh, I'm excited that you decided to tackle this topic. What What uh, motivated you to write something to help other people manage their finances?
1: Yeah, thanks, Heidi. So, uh, great question. Uh, And it came from my pastoral ministry. You know, you get to know your people. You get to know the needs of the congregation. Uh, You go to conferences. You speak to people. And you take the number of questions you're asked, you know, to be candid with you. I didn't think some years ago I'd write a finance book because I didn't see that as an incredibly strong need for for people. I guess I thought uh, more about things that might have seemed perhaps spiritual. Yeah, and, right. uh, But interestingly, what I'd say, you know, regarding what is and isn't spiritual, I mean, if you come into church one Sunday and your pastor says, hey, today we're going to be talking about finances, you know, and someone kind of cringes and says, well, that, that doesn't seem spiritual. Why aren't we talking about prayer or forgiveness or the gospel or something like that? But but if we use God's word to determine what is and isn't spiritual, then finances are incredibly spiritual. Whatever is a frequent topic in scripture, to me, is spiritual. You know, God doesn't use highlighting or bolding or underlining in the Bible, but he does use repetition mm-hmm. to emphasize those topics of importance, and few things occur as frequently. I mean, more of G- than finances, and Jesus' parables were about finances. Uh, more than anything except the kingdom of God and heaven and hell. And so the fact that it comes up so much tells us of its importance. And there's kind of that idea that if you want to understand people or learn them, you can look at their checkbook or their calendar, right? You know, that tells you how they spend their two most important resources, their money and their time. And so, yeah, I saw a a need for people to embrace a biblical view of finances versus the worldly view that is being pressed on them. You just mentioned socialism. You know, you think about our national debt and what that communicates to people about how they can spend money that they don't have. And so I, I just saw a real need for people to be applying scripture. To their financial decision-making.
0: Yeah, so I'm curious, you guys have nine kids and you're a homeschool family and you're a pastor. So my husband and I had seven kids, homeschool family, pastor. You're not making a lot of money. Like, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, right? <laughs> no. But I, I understand. Build, build my
1: credibility. Keep going yeah, with this, actually. <laughs> so
0: I I understand, you know, what it takes. I hear so often now people saying, well, we need socialism or we need, you know, these giant tax credits and whatever so that moms can afford to stay home with their kids. And it is hard right now. Let's Let's not lie about that, right? Inflation is skyrocketing. We're watching the price of gas doubling. The price of food is going up. We can see the handwriting on the wall. I think it's very possible that our country's headed into a recession, which who knows how long that's gonna last. But there are principles that we can put in place right now that will help us stand up against those hard times when they come. So I'm assuming that you aren't that uh, different for me. You've been married 15 years. I'm coming up on uh, 33 years. But we've been through the ups and downs of, a, of, a, of an economy that's thriving and an economy that's not thriving. Right now, we're mm-hmm. coming into some hard times. Uh, talk to us about what it takes to sustain uh, a family
1: mm-hmm. and
0: not feel like you have to, because uh, I think part of it, I mean, this, we can go all over the place with this, but I'm like, okay, we don't, all, we don't need the new car. We don't need the fanciest house on the block. Exactly. Our clothes do not have to come from department stores. They can come from garage sales and Goodwills and all those kind of things. So uh, walk us through that a little bit.
1: Good. Yeah. Great. So I appreciate that and take it critically. I think I think one thing Harvest House kind of did was they looked at me and they're like, "Here's a guy on a single income pastor salary. You know, no debt, uh, nine children homeschooling." And they thought I had the credibility. I mean, if someone's you know makes millions of dollars, then you kind of look at them and it's like, "Oh, it's easy for you to pay off your debt. You make this much money." But nobody really looks at a pastor. And before I was a pastor, I was an elementary school teacher, uh, and I, so I basically, when we've always been a single income family, we've. I've had two jobs and neither of them paid except incredibly well, and so I think Harvest House was like, boy, this guy can talk to readers, and people are going to believe what he has to say because he's he's talking about principles that he's applied without ever making you know l- loads of money, and so one one brief story when we were in California, that's my wife and I grew up in California together, and we were married there, and I was teaching elementary school, which was when I decided that I wanted to uh, homeschool, and I switched do districts. It. Yeah, that'll do it. People are like, how could you homeschool as an elementary school teacher? And I'm like, that's why I wanted to homeschool. But anyway, so... I wanted to, I switched districts because I was going to make more money at this other district to better take care of my family because they would pay me for my time in the military. I'd been an army officer and this school was on a, was on a military base. And so I switched districts and then I lost my tenure. And so even though I'd been teaching eight years, then 2007, the great recession hit and I lost my job because even though I was, I wouldn't say a veteran teacher necessarily, they only looked at me as being a first year teacher at that district. So, you know, I had to go home and talk my wife who's pregnant with our first child that I just lost our medical insurance. That I just lost my job that I just lost basically. Uh, and nobody's going to hire me because nobody's hiring. School districts are laying people off. They're not hiring new teachers. And so I went home and shared that with Katie and she was real encouraging. She just said she was excited to see what God was going to do. And we, we had put our lives in his hands and we wanted to be led by him. And that's when my church that I was working for part-time stepped out in faith and brought me on on full-time. And to give you some idea. I, my income was cut in half. I was making less than half of what I had made before. So we had to learn to be very frugal. We, we had to learn to, um, be careful with basically every dollar that we spent. And so people can do this if they, generally, if you live in the United States, and I don't, I don't want to sound harsh at all, but, you probably don't have an income problem. You probably have a, have spending problems, plural. Uh, we're the wealthiest people throughout all of human history. We're the wealthiest people in the world. Generally, even the people in our country are who live below the poverty line, the poverty line is like 30-something thousand for a family of four or five. I can't remember the exact numbers I put in my book. But the people in our country who are considered living in poverty are still able to enjoy many of the luxury, many items that would be considered luxuries for other people. So, if we take a hard look at our finances like you kind of mentioned then and, and uh, try to avoid some of the most common spending problems, we can talk about that and try to avoid debt. We could talk about that as well if you'd like. Then I think we can generally find our money stretching much further for us, and finding that we actually have more money than we think we do.
0: Hmm. And you, uh, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> I can't help it because, I mean, Matt, most of my kids are grown now, but there were years when it, we were. I mean, every single penny counted. But you mentioned billionaires, and I just, I, I, I know several people who have millions and millions of dollars, and and I know a lot of people who have made millions and lost millions. And it just goes to your point that it's not an income problem. It's an, out, it's an outgo problem. Well, and so certainly it can be an income problem. I mean, we, you know, obviously, you know, we need to have uh, money to live. But you really have highlighted this in the book that most people have spending problems uh, versus income problems. And then you talked about the money being the root of all evil, and that's what we heard uh, all growing up. Is that really what? Is that uh, really what the Bible says? That
1: that is absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know in Scripture that God gave, God made some people wealthy. They didn't become wealthy; God made them wealthy. That tells us money is amoral, and I mean, it's not moral; it's not immoral. I know some people who are wealthy and are incredibly generous and yep. in giving, and and great stewards, and there are people who are poor who are incredibly stingy and poor stewards. So money basically allows you, and I'm not making, I don't have a lot of money. I'm not making a defense of having a lot of money. I'm just telling people what God's word says. And there are people who are, um, It just allows you basically to be more of what you already are. If you're a generous person, you'll be more generous. It's kind of from a bad translation. I like the King James. I'm not anti-King James or anything. But it's 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, that money is the root of all evil. But it's really the love of money Mm -hmm. that is the root of many evils. There's, There's plenty of evils that are not the result of money. Even if money can cause many evils, it doesn't cause all evil. And so if we understand that, then we are able to look at money as a resource and a stewardship versus something that should be, let's say avoided, if you think it's bad to be wealthy, or something to you know hoard, if, if stewardship is such an important principle, Heidi, because it allows us to recognize that our money isn't really our money. It's actually God's money that we're responsible to manage well on this side of heaven. And and it's the same with all other areas of life, our marriages, our time, our children. These are all stewardships. None of these things truly belong to us. God has put them in our care, and we're expected to be wise people who who manage them. Well, my wife, she doesn't, I call her my wife, but she's God's daughter, and he expects me to treat her well. My children are really God's children that he's blessed me to, to raise, and it's the same with money. It's a stewardship. And God expects us to use money for his kingdom and for his glory.
0: Mm, It's so good. It's just, it's about perspective, right? How do we see it? You know, and uh, you you mentioned, you touched on a minute ago, uh, debt. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm gonna ask you a little bit about why debt is never a good idea. We'll be right back. All right, ladies, I know what kind of a beating good towels can take. Believe me, with seven kids, towels are used for everything from cleaning up an accidental spill on the kitchen floor to drying off your four-legged buddy. You want your towels to stay soft and absorbent when you need it most for bath time, right? Well, my towels from Pillow are the best towels ever. They come in seven colors, have a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Seriously, it's a game-changer. Listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast can get up to 66% off by going to mypillow.com and using the promo code Heidi or by calling 1-800-447-0541. So Scott, right before the break, we were touching a, a little bit on the topic of debt. It's a huge issue in the United States right now. My husband and I, when we were married in 1989, you know, we came out of the 80s, right? People spending all kinds of money in the 80s. Every Christmas was about how many presents you could get under the tree, and you know, in 1986, yeah, it was just all it was the big hair and the big pocketbook, right? That's kind of uh, (laughs) that's kind of what it was, and a lot of us went off to college and universities. And we immediately went into debt, right? So we uh, I remember Nordstrom, you know, and uh, giving me a credit card. And I was like, well, this is amazing. You know, Myron Frank <laughs> gave me a credit card. Well, Jay and I didn't have any money. We were, both in, we were both at school. We were both in college. But what did we do? We went to uh, the department store. We bought ourselves some new clothes and some things that we couldn't afford. And we got ourselves in debt. Why is it so important that people have a good understanding of why debt is never a good idea.
1: You know, first tidy, I don't know if your listeners know this. I just want to applaud what I know you're doing with the resource center. I was told that you you're you've outgrown this one, you're expanding, you're building or you're you're building or you're part of a newer building yes. and you're committed to doing it debt-free. And I just I was so thankful to hear that. And so I, I applaud your desire to apply biblical principles because it would be so easy for you to justify some bigger homeschool resource center, which we love. We've been there numerous times, uh, and it just seems like such a good reason to go into debt because you can justify all the children and families who are helped, which is true. Um, And I use that kind of as an example of what is typically behind that good justification for Mm. it. But if I get a little momentum into answering your question, when we talk about walking by faith, I think we tend to picture like missionaries that go over to third world countries, you know, and step out and, and serve in these difficult conditions. But really, Walking by faith is any time we look at what God's word says and we commit to obeying it or applying it to our lives, even if it doesn't make sense or even if the world disagrees. And the, the reason the debt is so interesting is because it doesn't seem immoral and because you can actually go out and talk to many fa- financial advisors who will promote debt. And legitimize its use to you, but the question isn't what do financial advisors say? The question definitely isn 't what the government says. the question isn 't what society says. The question is what does god 's word say and there's really no way to get around that the Bible presents a negative view of debt and so the question isn't well, can I get ahead better financially, or will it benefit me if i if I go into debt? The question is what does god 's word say about this decision i 'm making and then to to Live by faith, or that the just trust the Lord, or we walk by faith, is to apply Scripture even when it doesn't make sense, or it seems like it might be better to do something contrary to Scripture. And debt is one of those premier areas where we want to step out according to what God's Word says, even if there are other people that are disagreeing with us. And I just I don't think you can, you know uh, Proverbs twenty two talking about the debtor being slave to the land of Romans thirteen not owing any man anything except love, and so yeah i'm I'm about as opposed to debt as you can get and and once you get out of debt we've we've been married fifteen years and been had zero debt most of those years we don't want to go back into it
0: no well once you once you've been strapped every month by it you understand how completely uh it's awful but I'm I'm curious, so talk to the person right now who is, they're struggling in debt, they're paying off a high interest rate credit card. I don't really want to touch so much on mortgage debt because I think we can make a good case for why, I mean, you met you and I actually may disagree on this. I don't think a mortgage debt is a bad idea, especially if I can turn my house around in a couple of years and sell it and make a profit off of it. I'm going to, and I'm going to be spending that money anyway in rent. So there's a lot of different ways that we can go about it. I definitely want to tackle uh, credit card debt and people who are justifying, you know, we're buying a car that we can't afford or whatever it is. What give it instead of instead of just talking about why it's bad, can we let's offer some uh, solutions because I know you guys have managed to really find them. So to the to the mom and dad who are listening, there's a lot of people brand new homeschooling. There are a lot of uh, parents listening to this right now who have decided to make the leap into homeschooling and many of them have given up a second income to do it. So what are some of your best tips for the the parents who are like okay I'm I'm in you know maybe not even a significant amount of debt but enough to where I feel the pinch every month where do we start when we're tackling this monster and how do we keep out of it
1: You know that's a that's a great question Heidi and so we want to make decisions that are according to God's will I'm sure all of your listeners say that and to determine God's will we have different let's say litmus tests which I would say would be obedience to God's commands or principles from His Word. And one of the strongest litmus tests we have for our decisions financially is debt. And so if you're entertaining doing something, you float that out before the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm thinking of doing this. We're thinking of buying this. And then you wait for Him to provide the finances for it. Because it's it's hard to believe that if God speaks negatively of debt, that He's going to have us go into debt to do something that's his will. And and we can set mortgages aside. I, I understand that they're an asset they can appreciate, you know, and there's an amount of leverage and everything. But if we move if we set mortgage debt aside, then It's very hard for me to believe that God is going to have us do something that would seem to contradict what he has prescribed in his word. And so if we allow that to be a litmus test and we say, I'm thinking of buying this, Lord, please give us the finances, the money necessary to do it. And then you can wait, you can sort of sit back and now the ball is in God's court to provide for you. And so for that family that's sitting back and they're like, well... You know, We're entertaining homeschooling. We're entertaining being a single single income family. My encouragement is step out. And and if you feel like the Lord is leading you to do that, it's kind of like Matthew 6, 33, that we're supposed to pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. And so the idea is you kind of go through life doing what God has led you to do and trust him to pick up the tab. Right. Mm-hmm. You trust him to provide. And mm-hmm. I, and many people, I'm sure you can you can share hundreds of examples from whether your show or people you've talked to who have said that. You know, we didn't necessarily have everything that we needed right at that moment, but we did believe that God was going to provide, and we and we stepped out in faith, and then sure enough, He did. It doesn't mean to be unwise or to be foolish. Uh, it doesn't mean to spend money that we don't have. And I mean, really, that's one of the problems, Heidi, if your listeners who are living in the United States, when they look at what the nation is doing with debt,
0: right, oh. they
1: feel so encouraged right. to go into debt. Yep. They're the leaders that we're to look up to and respect when we're looking at trillions of dollars yep. kicking the can down the road yep. y- you know if if the bible says that a wise person or a godly person leaves an inheritance for his children's children i don't know that there's a better description of the opposite of what our nation is doing we're saddling our so children true. instead of instead of providing an inheritance for our children's children we're providing trillions in debt to our children's children and so That's that's kind of my burden is I'm looking at people who can easily look around them and feel completely justified in spending money they don't have because that's been the practice of our government for so long. But for that homeschooling family to, to set that budget, there's a lot of curriculum that can be, you can get it used or you can, we know one family and a lot of their curriculum is the Bible. And so they've saved a lot of money, you know, using that for reading, using that for writing. Obviously there's some you're going to have, you're going to have to purchase. There can be stuff that's handed down. I know it takes a little more effort. There's really no way to avoid the sacrifice that's involved i mean like if someone's listening to this they just they do need to understand that there's no way they're going to be able to do these things without some amount of sacrifice
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and honestly, that's kind of the S word in the culture right now. Nobody really wants that, right? We don't want to, you know, we want the easy button. We've been told that there somehow is an easy button. And we've done that with education. We've done that certainly with our, uh, even in churches, you know, like, church well we've totally done this. And so now we've got, a, we've got a nation that's on the verge of bankruptcy. We've got families that are struggling in debt. And a lot of these issues are addressed in the word of God, which is, uh, which is it takes time, right? To be a student of the word, right? We're supposed, to study to show ourselves as approved workmen who do not need to be ashamed, who can rightly handle God's word. And that means we take it, we, we, uh, we take the issues that we're looking at and we filter them through the grid of scripture and how it comes out on the other side. That's what we base our decisions on. And uh, it's encouraging to me to see you tackling this topic. You've written a book on this, Scott, where can they find it?
1: Your Finance is God's Way, a book and workbook. They can find it on Amazon or any other place, christianbook.com, Barnes & Noble, any other places that that books are sold.
0: Awesome. And is available now or is it coming out?
1: Today is the day was pu- it was launched, published today. So people, can, it was pre-order yesterday and it is uh, available today. And there's more information about me on my website. If, I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes or put the, put the links to the books in the show notes. I love to hear people if they have questions or I can help them or pray for them in any way. They can find me at ScottLapierre.org.
0: All right. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show and addressing this important issue. Let's talk about it again soon.
1: Thanks, Heidi. God bless you.
0: For more information on Scott LaPierre and his brand new book, you can go to the show notes today, slash podcast. scroll down. You guys know the drill. All of the information that we have talked about today is available there. Have a great day, everybody. Love your families well. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.